Amen. Let's thank our worship team. I also want to thank our brother Clive for being a good disciple. Bro, I think I pulled into that same gas station. It's notorious for bringing, exposing our demons. Well, let's go to God with the word of prayer. I have a, a message for you and I do pray that it will help you prepare, be prepared for this upcoming holiday season. So uh, let's get into our Bible. Let's start off with the word of prayer. Our gracious and awesome God and Father, we come before you to thank you for giving us life to see another year. Father, we are approaching a new decade. And uh, I do pray that you give us some time to really reflect on the last decade, uh, where we are with you and uh, where we hope to be, and uh, pray that you'll give us uh, big dreams and big faith uh, to see those dreams realized uh, for you and for ourselves. Uh, God, help us uh, to, be, to best prepare ourselves for this season, God. We know that some of us uh, have lost loved ones uh, recently, and uh, some of us are uh, not looking forward to the holidays because it reminds us of uh, things we've lost and, uh, and those who are not here. And so, Father, I do pray that you will help us uh, to shore up our faith, God. Help us to prepare the best we can and walk with us. Be with us, comfort us, encourage us, strengthen us, and uh, remind us that uh, no matter what happens, no matter uh, what we've lost, you're always present, and we can hold on to that. We love you. We thank you. Let my words be yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you don't know, it is that time of year again. Frustratingly long lines at the store, office parties, friendship-ending white elephant parties, <laughs> ugly Christmas sweaters, and receiving that gift that you pretend to love and always wanted, decorating your fridge with 10 years' worth of Christmas cards that you just can't seem to bring yourself to throw away, because they're the phototypes, and even though the kids in those photos are now adults with kids of their own, you can't seem to bring yourself to get rid of them. But then there's those moments when the kids tear into their presence, and you see the excited looks on their faces, and while you're silently hoping that you can salvage some of that mangled wrapping paper for someone else's gift, because you're on a budget, right? Or the look on your spouse's face when you give them that nod of approval confirming that those countless hours on Amazon seeking the ultimate gift was well worth it. It's Christmas time. You know, this is the first Christmas that I actually did very little shopping, and I'm excited about it. I'm trying to, it's right. We got a little extra money in our pocket, but we did, you know, we, we got a little smart this year. I think we, we, did, we made some decisions that, you know, that I'm pretty happy with. My wife and I decided we're not going to give each other gifts, and I'm like, you're, you're my gift, baby. I don't, I, don't, I don't need anything else. And once you say that, brother, <laughs> see, you know, I don't need those boots. I don't need that coat. No, I'm just kidding. But... You know, we can get caught up, seriously speaking, though, we can get really caught up and distracted. 
and even discouraged around this time of year. And it's all for a holiday that we're not biblically commanded to observe. You know, nowhere in the scriptures does it command us to observe Jesus' birth. But we are commanded to observe his death. You ever thought about that? Nonetheless, for those of us who do, it would be wise for us to go into the holiday season spiritually prepared. Uh, So my message today is simply this. The holidays can be fun, but don't forget the sun. The holidays can be fun, but don't forget the sun. You know, uh, this is a clip, a, a photo taken from one of those classic, the classic movies, Home Alone. You guys ever seen that movie? I mean, the, the family got so caught up in all that preparation and, and, and the excitement of going away, and, and, and they totally forgot their son. Left the poor boy at home. Thieves tried to break in, and, and I mean, it was, a, it was a, great, it's a great movie. If you hadn't seen it, I just ruined it for you, but it's well worth seeing anyway. But we can get so caught up, so busy, so, you know, so preoccupied that we actually forget, well, why are we doing this in the first place? You know, if it's, if it's to, you know, to celebrate Jesus being in our lives, a family, whatever, then let's not get caught up with all the, the, the things that will eventually fade away. And so it's important for us to remember Jesus, not just during this time of the year, but every day. Every year, every, every month, every week of our lives because that, he's that important. So specifically for this holiday season, I do want to encourage us that if you are celebrating, don't forget the sun. All right? And there are reasons why this is important for us. There are reasons why this is important. The first thing is because we can get busy. We can get too busy. And when we get too busy, we fill our lives up with a lot of things. And when you fill your lives up, some things get pushed out. And we, need, we want to make sure that what gets pushed out is not Jesus. Amen? So turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 2, verse 42. Well, actually, we'll start reading in first, verse 41. Luke chapter 2 and verse 41. It says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, he went up to the festival, according to their custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days... They found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? They did not understand what he was saying to them. Now, I wouldn't either. I'm like, wait a second. I'm your father. What are you? 
Then he went down to Nazareth with them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. In verse 52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Mary and Joseph got caught up in the annual tradition of making this pilgrimage and they forgot their son. Now when these families would travel, they would travel in large caravans. Families and friends for protection. So the women and the children would travel in the front and then all the men would follow behind just to make sure that everyone was safe and protected and all the you know, everything that they owned would, would travel together. And so it was simply, you know, it was easy for them to assume, oh, that Jesus is with his cousins, or Jesus is with so-and-so. Or, you know, it's like if all of our house churches went somewhere together and, you know, our kids like to fellowship with each other. You just kind of, oh, you know, she's with so-and-so, or he's with so-and-so. You just, you know, so it's not hard for us to imagine that's a, that being a possibility. But I have to be honest, the first time I read this, I thought, how could Mary forget Jesus? I mean, Jesus is a special child. He's not just any kid. He's, he's, he is the kid. Like, how do you forget the kid? And so I'm thinking, I'm like, man, you know, the angel, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this is someone you don't want to take your eyes off of. But before we judge Mary, ask yourself this question. Have I been too busy and forgot Jesus this week? You know, sometimes we can take Jesus for granted. We live in a city that never sleeps. So it's not hard to imagine losing Jesus in our daily schedule. Our mornings start early and our evenings end late. And sometimes we find it a struggle trying to fit Jesus in. So it's not, it's not too far-fetched to lose sight of Jesus in our schedule. If you have children, you know what I'm talking about. You, only have, you not only have your schedule and your agenda, your to-do list, but you have a to-do list for each child that you have. And you have their schedule. You know, my Google Calendar looks like looks like a rainbow threw up on my phone because I have my, my things color-coded. I have Zalika's schedule color-coded. I have Noah's schedule color-coded. I have Siani's schedule color-coded. Then I have a color code for the church. Then I have a color code for the family activities that we do together. So I'm looking through my week, and I'm like, what is going on? It's like looking through a kaleidoscope. And I'm trying to be on top of some of our, my wife's, you know, some of our, our, uh, disagreements come often from miscommunicating things that are on or not on or haven't been put on or added to our schedule. And so we get busy, and so all this, we're trying to keep up. Who's taking the kids to work? Are you going to pick Noah up? Are you going to drop him in? All right, what about Siani? What time does she get? The teen's got something. I didn't know that. When you said, did you tell me that? Did I get a text? Did I get an email? And so we're trying to, and then by the time you finally get the answer to the question, you're like, wait a second, did I read my Bible this morning? Did I pray? Forget about inviting somebody to church because you're like, and by the time you get home, you're like, I didn't even talk to anybody about Jesus. We're busy. 
And we fill our lives with so many things. If you serve in the church and then you got all that other stuff going on, you know what I'm talking about. So my encouragement is don't take Jesus for granted. Keep your eyes on him during this holiday season. The next thing is we can assume Jesus is in our company. I love this is a classic snapshot from that movie Home Alone. When they finally realize, they get to the airport, and the mother's like, where's Kevin? Like, where's Kevin? And the, the father, he's like, I thought he was with you. You know, typical, like, you didn't, I thought, and then she's like, Kevin! And, you know, and she realizes she left her child at home. And now they're at the airport, and they're making this frantic, you know, they're trying to get back to him. And, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great family movie. But like the scripture right here says, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it, thinking he was in their company. Have you ever misplaced someone before that was under your care? Someone ever asked you to watch, keep an eye on their kids while they go to the park, you know, to the store, or you took took kid out to the park? You know, I've had at least two terrifying experiences like that in my life. One, when I was a teenager, and my mom asked me to keep an eye on my younger brother, Michael, which is I hated doing. We lived in a, you know, we had these two big parks where I lived in the Bronx. There was one right there where I played basketball, and then there was the big park that we called the big park because it was huge. And I would tell him, stay right here. Don't go anywhere. And he looks at me, all right. And I go play basketball. And I'm keeping an eye. I'm looking, you know. I'm looking. And that last look, he disappears. Now, my brother Joey is also supposed to be helping me keep an eye on him. So I go to Joey. I'm assuming, well, he's not there. He must be with Joey. So I go to Joey. I say, hey, where's Michael? I thought he was with you. I'm playing basketball. How can he be with me? You're supposed to watch him. He was right there. Didn't you see him? Wait a second. Well, where is he? And then that fear sinks in because you know he's not supposed to go to the big park. And so we go to the big park, and we're looking, and we're calling out his name, and we're screaming his name, and we're yelling his name. And, and I mean, we were looking for hours. And then finally, I, I just had to, we came to grips with, we don't know it, so we got to go tell mom. Now, I grew up in an old school household where, you know, you don't, you don't negotiate and, 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 and reason with your kids when it comes to matters of obedience. So we make this long elevator, you know, uh, elevator ride up to the sixth floor. I knock on the door, and everything just seems amplified, like your heart is beating through your chest because you got to tell your mother that you can't find your baby brother, and it's getting dark in the projects, in the, it's, all sorts of things are going through my mind. We open the door, and the kitchen is right, when you open the door, the kitchen is right there. We open the door, and who do I see sitting at the table? 
drinking Kool-Aid. But my little brother, my little baby brother Michael, and I was furious. Where did you go? Why? And, and I looked at my mother, and she gave me the look of, you knew you blew it, right? He's been up here for an hour already. He came up by himself in the elevator. Where were you? Took my eyes off him for a second. The second time, we were at church. And my daughter, Siani, was about a few years old at the time. And you know how fellowship is. You get to talking to people. And you you want to give them your attention. And, you know, my wife and I, we like to fellowship. Now, Siani was with my wife, but my wife thought that Siani had left her side to come to me. So we're ready to go, and I'm like, where's Siani? She's like, I thought she was with you. I'm like, I was over here talking. Well, I was over here talking. And now it becomes that the the real test of your marriage (laughs) and all those vows that you made to each other gets tested because now you're ready to blame somebody but wait a second, when I was, and you're trying to explain yourself, when I was, and we are frantically looking in Lehman College, and we're all over, looking, calling out her name, going from room to, she can be anywhere. And then, once you don't find her within that first five, ten minutes, now you start thinking the worst. God, what if someone who, who, who's not a part of our church came in and took my child? And, and then you start, and then all these thoughts and emotions start to overwhelm you. And then you go into the room, to the next, and then you're like, wait a second, didn't I just look in here? Why is she sitting right there? <laughs> Terrifying. You know, it's so easy to take these things for granted. And I can only imagine what Mary must have felt like God entrusted me with him. I lost the savior of the world. Herod tried to kill him when he was a baby. I mean, imagine all the thoughts and emotions going through her mind. Joseph, I'm, God entrusted me to take care of him. I mean, how could I leave Jesus? How could I forget Jesus? You know, I took for granted that attending religious events, just like Jesus' parents, that Jesus would be in my company. Because there was a time in my life when I assumed that Jesus was in my company. And I went about my life totally unaware, assuming that as long as I went to church on the holidays, and did all the things that I'm supposed to do, he would be with me and in my company. And I was totally unaware, just like many others who assumed that they were close to Jesus. You know, after a while, you realize that the problem is you cannot be close to someone you don't know. I didn't know Jesus as much as well as I thought I did. So how could I be close to someone I don't know? And even worse, you definitely cannot be close to someone who does not know you. You know, we like, because we are on a first-name basis with some people, we think, oh, I know him. You may even say, oh, I know her. She goes to my church, but do you know her? 
Oh, I know him. Yeah, yeah. We were we go to the same church. Uh, uh, what, what, yeah, he's in uh, Queens. But do you really know him? You may know his name. You may recognize the face. We got to go beyond that when it comes to Jesus. See, if we're if we're going to 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 keep him with us, then we got to know Jesus. We got to know the things that make Jesus happy and the things that makes him upset. We got to know the things that he's about and the things that he's not about. We got to know the things that he's for and the things that he's against. And I thought I knew those things until I realized that, wait a second, I don't know Jesus. So how could he be in my company if we don't know each other? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, there was a group who, who didn't know, who assumed. They said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? You get what they were doing right here in verse 22? In your name? They were name dropping Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. That's not the kind of Christian we want to be. We don't want to just name drop Jesus. We want to pray to Jesus because we know who he is. You can name drop anybody that you met once. But if you don't have a relationship with them. See, the the, the real question, the real answer question is, can they name drop you? Because right here in verse 23, Jesus said, I tell them plainly, I never knew you. There's nothing more embarrassing than saying you know somebody and when they go and ask that person, hey, do you know so? I don't know who that is. See, God loves us enough to spare us that embarrassment by giving us an opportunity to get to know Jesus while we're on earth. Because what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about the day where we have to give an account for our life on earth. So there's nothing more terrifying than the thought of getting there and assuming that you know him and him saying, I never knew you. Yeah, you name dropped me a few times, but I don't know you. They were unaware. Religious on the outside, but false on the inside. See, now is the perfect time to do some real soul searching. To do some inventory of our hearts, of where we're at spiritually. You know, I have friends that I love dearly and deeply who I can go to for encouragement, for advice, for direction. But I need to know Jesus well enough to know that if the way these brothers are advising me goes against what Jesus expects of me. Because if I'm listening to them more than I'm listening to Jesus, then I don't really know Jesus. Or if I choose to ignore what I know about Jesus, to listen to what my friends are telling me, then I really don't know Jesus. See, it's one thing to have people to tell you what you want to hear. But Jesus tells us things that goes against our nature, things that will help us to become more godly. And when Jesus calls us to do things, and to become some, someone, then that's, that's who we want to be. We want to be in his company. 
and in the company of others who want to be like him. You know, during the holidays, I would encourage you, take an hour. You can break it up. 15 minutes at a time, 10 minutes at a time, half hour at a time. But take some significant time to pray and reflect on where you are with God. Because no one wants to assume they know someone that they don't. And then make a decision to chase after God, to get closer to him. Because that's something, that's a prayer that God will answer just like that. Because God desires to be close to you. He wants to be close to you. And so that's a prayer we know God will answer. Mary and Joseph, you know, one of the things you can commend them on is that once they realized that Jesus was not among them, they went to look for him right away. And we got to have that same attitude. Once we realize, you know what, I'm not as close to Jesus as I need to be, you need to go without hesitation. Do whatever you got to do. Talk to whoever you got to talk to. Confess whatever you need to confess. Have that urgent attitude. Once they were made aware that he was not in their company, right away they went seeking for Jesus. And that's the type of heart I want to challenge us to have. Because the holidays can be challenging for a lot of us. And we can lose Jesus amid family and amongst our friends. Because we know that family can bring the best or the worst out of us. We are our most comfortable when we are around family and close friends, especially those who knew us before Christ. Because they don't talk to you like a Christian. They don't use the same lingos and stuff that we use. They talk to you like they remember who you were and you always were. They don't, they don't, they call you by your nickname. They curse in front of you. They show you inappropriate videos because they remember who you were before. They're not, they, they, they're not caught up in all that spiritual stuff. They're not with you every day. So when you go around friends and family, we got we to gotta be on our guard. We got to be careful because they're our family. They'll offer you a drink. Hey, man, come on. Man. It's the holidays. And you're like, no, no, no. I need to protect my sobriety. Like, come on, just one. Just one. Or they'll give you something without telling you something's in it. Here, try this eggnog, my special brew. What's in it? Just try some. And then they want you to feel bad because now they feel offended. Oh, now you are holier than thou. Because you won't try. You, you, just because you're going to church now, now all of a sudden you can't. You a saint now? You a part of some holy priesthood? You're, you're among some holy nation? You know what? Yeah, I am. <laughs> and it doesn't, it, doesn't it seem like there's always that one family member that you're not looking forward to? They're always there. But your favorite uncle, cousin, aunt, the one that you're really looking for, hoping it will make it this year, for some reason, oh, I can't make it. And then that one person that you don't want to see that makes you struggle, always, they're the one greeting you at the, cuz! <laughs> Nephew!
I got, I got some horror stories as a teenager with some of my family. I'm not even going to tell you the story about when I met Zalika's family for the first time for Christmas, but amen. There's some things we just bury in the depths of our soul and just never speak about ever again. Yeah, we got time. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, we, 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 can, we can get very distracted. We can let our guards down, but we got to be very careful. Um, you know, and, and not only the ones that we feel that we kind of know are probably not right with Jesus, then there's some that kind of have us wondering. Those are the religious family members. The ones that when, when they see you, they greet you like a, you know, like a brother or sister in Christ, and they start quoting scriptures and start talking spiritual, spiritual lingo to you. Then you're like, okay. You start to let your guards down a little because now you're talking to somebody who goes to church. And then you start talking, and you get into these conversations, and before you realize, well, wait a second, something's kind of off <laughs> with that. We still got to be careful. You still got to have your guards on because to okay and amen something that is biblically and scripturally false is just as bad as keeping your mouth shut and not saying anything about Jesus at all. I no longer say amen to stuff that's not biblically sound because I don't want people, to, I don't want people to, to keep thinking the wrong things. Jesus often challenged people who were off. He says, no, you're, you know the scriptures, but you don't know me. You don't. He, he said that to the Pharisees, to the teachers of the law. That's all they did was no scripture. But Jesus told them, you do not know the scriptures. Why? Because they're, they're talking about me. And you're still so blind that you can't even see that they're talking about me. So even though someone's in their Bible, they can still miss Jesus. We got to make sure we are on point. That we're not just allowing ourselves to get filled up with, 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 with religious junk food. Just because it sounds good. We got to stay in our Bibles and make sure that we're staying connected to Jesus. And lastly, you don't want to lose sight of Jesus because we can drift during the trip. We can drift during the trip. In Luke chapter 2, verses 48 to 51, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Here at 12 years old, Jesus identifies who his real father is. Up until this point, it was Joseph. He stayed behind asking questions, listening to the teachers to hear what they were saying about God the Father and the coming Messiah. And so Jesus is listening. He's preparing himself for when 21 years later, when he would start his, or 20, 20, well, yeah, like 19, 20 years later, when he would start his ministry at the age of 30, he could say, well, look, this is, I know what you guys believe. 
I know what you guys are teaching, but I'm here to fulfill the truth. So Jesus identifies at an early age with who his father is. Now keep that in the back of your mind. It's been 12 years since Jesus was born. Mary and Joseph raised him as their own, treated him just like any other child in their, in their town, in their family group. They didn't treat him any different. In the process, however, Mary starts to drift from her purpose. You see, 12 years is gone. She's probably thinking, well, nothing exciting has happened since the angels came to me and told me that I was going to give birth to, to this miracle child. 12 years ago, you, you start to settle in. You start to get, you start to get a, a, a little complacent. You start to get, things start to normalize in your life. I'm pretty sure that that first year or two when they were running from, uh, from Herod and, and, and that first year, okay, he's safe, he's alive. And at some point, Mary started to be the son, the, the mother of an earthly son named Jesus. Not the mother of the Son of God. Her purpose. She started to lose sight. And Jesus had to bring, well, wait a second. Don't you know I had to be? Don't you remember who my real father is? And to prove the point, she's like, but they did not understand what he was saying. She forgot that, yes, he is the Son of God. What am I thinking? And then she started to treasure this in her heart. She's like, what is, what is he talking about? Why did he say that to me? What does this all mean? And so when we keep our eyes on Jesus, let me bring you back to what I'm talking about in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, verse 31, this is what the angel Gabriel told her. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus. She, she didn't even come up with her own name. That should have been the first thing. Secondly, he will be great and will be called what? The son of the most high. Not the son of Joseph. The son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. It appears she forgot who Jesus really was. And what that meant for her and all of salvation, all of, all of, all of mankind. And we can't forget who Jesus really is. No, Jesus is the source of our eternal happiness. Jesus is the rock of our faith. Jesus is the counselor. Jesus is the protector. Jesus is the son of the most highly. So when we go into the holidays, we got to take that with us to our families, to our, our, our office parties, to wherever you go during the holidays. Taking the knowledge of who Jesus really is with you wherever you go. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, we're given this warning. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we what? Do not drift away. The holidays can be tough for a lot of people. Research has shown an actual rise in depression in, in the month of December leading into the new year. Some people go into the season doing good. But don't make it through. And I believe part of it is because Satan exploits our weaknesses and our struggles, especially during this time of the year. 
So we have to watch out for things like anger. People cutting us off when we get in our car wash. Impatience. When you're standing on the line at Walmart to pay for your gifts or Target or wherever you go shopping. Struggling with impatience. Discouragement. Because you didn't get that gift that you were hoping, or you didn't get that Christmas bonus at your job, or you didn't get the raise you were hoping, or you didn't get to buy all the gifts that you wanted. Discouragement. Or that you're spending another year alone. Satan can use that against you. Arrogance, worldliness, overspending, laziness, selfishness, depressive thoughts, ingratitude. This is all you can afford to give me? Apathy. And then lastly, loneliness. You know, these are all the things that if we're not careful, can take our, our gaze off of Jesus. And we got to remember who he is for us so that we can cling to him when we start to feel these things coming on into our lives. The truth of the matter is, is that Jesus made a promise that he'll always be with us. So it's not him who drifts from us, it's we who drift from him. And what I'm talking about here is things that will anchor us in Christ. Amen? In Luke chapter 2, verse 46, it said, After three days they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Too often we want Jesus to be where we are instead of us going to where he is. During the season, where was Jesus? He was in the temple. He was about his father's business. He was listening, and he was learning. During this time, we need to make sure we are in our father's house, in our father's presence, listening and learning, staying connected to God. He prioritized his relationship with God over all other relationships, even to where it brought his parents some discomfort. When we prioritize God among all, above all the relationships, some people will question your commitment to them because your convictions are where they are and not where they used to be. And so family members will say, well, well I mean, what's going on? You don't love us anymore? You, you're this? And you're like, look, it's not about that. I love you. And because of Christ, I love you even more. I love you knowing all the things I know about you. And that's all because of Jesus. And so you want me to be close to God because then I can be the best person, I can be the best version of myself through Christ Jesus. This is a great opportunity for us to grow spiritually. Every year I decided that when I go, you know, we go visit my wife's family in Harrisburg for Christmas, and I decided that every year I need to have a scripture that's going to anchor me in Christ when I go away. Because there's always these, these uh, things looking to pull you away. Family members, conversations, different things, all sorts of things. So my scripture is Philippians chapter 2. And I encourage you to find your own scripture. Find something that will keep you anchored in Christ, that will keep you focused on Christ during the holidays. Philippians 2 verse 1 said, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. 
Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Why is this important? Because during the holidays, we may get an extra few days and we can literally check out. We can hope to escape everybody. And this scripture keeps me locked in. It keeps me engaged with God and with others. Yes, I would love to have a few days of no family. Well, I can just, and I want to say so that I can stay connected to Jesus, if it was four days, three of those days is going to be James, and one day would be God. And that's how I am. So I'm like, you know what? I got to stay engaged because I know me. If I get away, I'm away. I'm not answering your text messages. I'm not looking at your emails. Take all your crisis to Jesus. So because I know who I am on the inside, I got to make sure I have scriptures that keep me anchored and engaged. Because I can't afford to check out. When we prioritize our time with the God, with the Father, and not assume we're close to him. He's close to us, and it keeps us from drifting into selfish habits. It reminds me that Jesus is in my company, that I can live the promise in Matthew eleven twenty eight that says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and will give you rest for your soul. Sometimes we try to achieve this outside of Christ. But this is a promise that Jesus is making to us. He's saying, look. Come to me. I'll take that burden off your shoulders. I'll make it lighter for you. But you've got to come to me in order for that to happen. Trying to do this outside of Jesus will only add more burden to your life, will only add more stress to your life, will only add more discouragement to your life. But when we're connected to Jesus, he's the one who loosens that yoke and makes our burden lighter. Amen? The holidays are fun, but it can bring on its own sets of burdens and threaten to wear us down. But Jesus offers us the alternative, which is rest for our souls. In 1 Samuel 12, and I'll close out here. Yeah, I love, I love Samuel's attitude. You know, if you want another practical way of staying connected, start, think about praying for people during the holidays. Have this attitude that Samuel had when he was about to leave uh, Israel. In verse 23, it says, As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. You know, pray for others to not drift away. Spend some time praying for yourself. But then think about some people, friends, family members that you know would have a hard time during this time of the season. And pray and ask God to keep them from drifting away. Amen? Jesus is the best gift you can give to anyone, including yourself. So let's decide that this holiday season we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus, that we're not going to be too busy. We're going to prioritize time with God, that we're going to keep him in our company. We're not going to be unaware. We're going to know that we're close to God. And we're going to be able to practically spell that out. This is how I'm getting close to God. And then lastly, keep yourself from drifting away. 
this holiday season. Get anchored. Anchor your faith. Find those scriptures. Find a prayer partner. Do something that will keep you connected and engaged with God and godly people. Amen. I love you guys. To God be the glory.